Hey, you've got a handout in front of you, and uh, the title of it is Life, Love, and Lead, insights from a book by Brian Houston. Uh, Todd has already mentioned to you about Hillsong uh, Church, and it's an international church, and I had an opportunity uh, when uh, I had a sabbatical, I traveled to Australia. I'd never been there, wanted to go there. Uh, I went there and I ran a marathon uh, there in Gold Coast. And then the next week I went to a worship conference and it was a Hillsong worship conference. And I was really blown away by, by what they did and their organization and uh, also from actually their music. And it was, it was just a fascinating experience. So on the way there, I read his book, Brian Houston's book. And there were some interesting insights in there. And in the book, he talks about living fully, living completely, and living boldly. And uh, took the life of Jesus and then said, these are the things that we can transfer into our own life. So we're going to walk through this. I want you to write these things down because this applies to every one of us. This is all of us for how to live, to love, and to lead. And those are three things that we all need to do. So let's get after it and get on for it. Number one, you were not created to live a life of mediocrity. You were created to live life in the faith lane. <laughs> live life in the faith lane, not a life of mediocrity, but to live a life in the faith lane. Now, there's kind of two different ways of looking at how you want to live life. Some people like to live life like the lazy river at the resorts. Have you ever been to some place where they have the lazy river and you just get on that and it just kind of carries you down? I'm not a huge fan of that. I'm just going to tell you that. I know for many people, it's real relaxing. I remember the first time I was on it, they told me it was going to be real relaxing. And I kept bumping into about 36 other people that were thinking they were really relaxing on this lazy river. And sometimes we think they just kind of go down life like that. It's kind of a life of mediocrity. Or what if you had a life that was in the faith lane? To where you're willing to step out on faith and, uh, and, to, uh, and to really take some, some chances and take some risk. The next statement is, take control, you do this. Living in the faith lane is taking control of your future while still depending on Jesus for every step that you take. Take control of your future while still depending on Jesus for every step that you take. This past Sunday, uh, I preached a sermon about Jesus walking on the water. And if y'all know, it's, a, it's an event that took place in the Bible. Uh, the disciples got in the boat, and they went halfway across the lake. The storm was blowing against them, and they couldn't get all the way across the lake. Jesus up on the mountain praying. And then uh, Jesus saw them in distress, and so he came to them, and he walked across the water to get to them. And as he walked across to the water, they looked at it, and they said it was a ghost, and they were scared. But then Jesus says, no, take heart, take courage, don't be afraid. It's me. And when he said that, Peter, one of the 12 disciples in the boat said, well, Lord, since it's you, command me to come to you upon the water. He didn't say, I don't want to jump in and swim. I just want to walk across the water and want to come to you. And Jesus says, come on. Well, now, that's a little scary uh, when you kind of get bold and say, hey, I want to walk on the water. Said, yeah, come on. Come on. And guess what he did? He stepped out of the boat. And when he stepped out of the boat, Scripture teaches that he began to walk on the water. Now, there's a lot of storm going on. And after a few steps, he's getting closer to Jesus. Jesus is getting closer to him. He began to see the wind and the waves. And as the water began to hit around his feet, all of a sudden he realized, I'm doing something that's probably impossible. And, and then he took his eyes off Christ and began to look around. And then it says he began to sink. And as he was sinking, then Jesus reaches out and grabs him and then lifts him back up and then begins to talk to him about, you have little faith, you shouldn't have died 
it on there, but then they move on back to the boat. The key was the fact is that out of 12 men that were sitting on the boat, only one was willing to say, I want to try this. Can I step out of the boat and come to you? And so when you look at this statement where it says, take control of your future, yes, you've got to take your steps, but yet you're still depending on Jesus for every step. Because what Jesus was telling him is once you took your eyes off of me, that's when you began to run into some problems. Keep your eyes fixed on me, and then you continue to take those steps into the future. And the second and the next line is to be willing to step into the great unknown. Be willing to step into the great unknown. When you think about that story, it was Peter being willing to step into a great unknown. And for us to live in the faith lane, it means there are going to come times in our life where you got to take that step into the great unknown. I loved it when I was reading through the book. One of the uh, illustrations that they told was a, a young girl by the name of Taya Smith. It was in late in 2012, and Taya Smith was a young, a young lady who worked with the youth, and she worked with the talented youth worship leaders, uh, and it was a group of Hillsong United, and uh, she was kind of like a backup singer with the big Hillsong United group, and yet she was at the same time she was working with the teenagers and working in the teenage ministry, and really, she was just unnoticed. She was just kind of there in the background and uh, was a great servant, and they appreciated the work that she did, and she was working working retail. And over Christmas break, uh, they had to take, they forced her to take some time off because they were shutting their stores down. And so she had a week off. So she was going to go visit her family was in New South Wales, but she waited too late to purchase a ticket. And by the time uh, she was able to purchase it, it was too expensive. So she just called the family and said, I'm just going to stay here in Sydney for, for the holiday. So she just stayed in Sydney. And on that Sunday, she went by a church, and they were, um, uh, they were uh, recording an album. And so while they were recording an album, one of the people said, will you stay here for just a moment? Because when we finish doing what we're doing on the album, we're going to have the young people do some singing. And could you just jump up there, and, and if we need you, hop up and, and sing with them? And she said, that'd be fine. So she jumped up with this youth, and she began to sing, and, and she just singing her heart out. And uh, Brian Houston's son, Joel, was there, and he heard her sing. And he said, wow, this girl, uh, this girl is good. So the following Tuesday morning, when she woke up, she had a message on her phone from the guy who was the leader of Hillsong United, and uh, he was one of their producers and producing their music. And he said, uh, hey, could you come down to the studio, and we'd like for you to do some backup vocals for us. We've started this new project, and we'd like for you to help us out. She didn't have a driver's license. And so she had to take multiple buses and trains, and then at the last station, she took her skateboard and made it to the studio. It was an hour and a half away. And for two days, she went back and forth, hour and a half one way, hour and a half another, hour and a half one way, hour and a half another, to go over there and to be this backup vocal. And then all of a sudden, the, the third day, Joel Houston turns and he gives her, and he says, there's a song I'd like for you to learn and for you to sing it. It's a song called Oceans. And so Taya Smith steps in the recording booth and she sings this song, Oceans. And as she did her first take, she then stepped out and she kind of looked sheepishly and she says, guys, I can do a lot better than that. And everyone who had heard her song, they were just eyes were glazed going, no, I think that's probably good enough. <laughs> you, are, you are really good. Now, I don't know if you've heard Oceans or not, but uh, we want to play just a little clip of that, and maybe this will kind of bring a memory to you on that.
that song, when that song came out, it became Hillsong's uh, first time they ever had a number one hit on the radio and also that was streamed. And according to Billboard's Hot Christian News Songs, it was number one for 45 weeks in a row. <laughs> and it is a platinum-selling single and uh, one of the one of their largest. Um, she was uh, riding the bus home that night, and she recalls her story. And she said, I remember two weeks ago I had prayed, and I said, God, I want you to open or close the door for me. And she said, I, I'm, I don't know if I'm supposed to sing professionally or not. And uh, as she was thinking about whether to sing professionally, that means to step away from even the church world and just go out and do something professionally, she said it was after just even that rehearsal that God spoke to me and he said like he was closing that door and said, no, I think you just might want to stick with, with the Hill song over here. <laughs> and she said, okay, I'll do that. And the rest is history. And, uh, and you see all the amazing things that have happened. You see, her story is like a lot of ours. It's a person who just stepped out and God kind of got in the way of her plans and began to redirect her. And she chose service over convenience. And her life today is a testimony of faith and faithfulness of the God when we trust, of faith and faithfulness of God when we trust in him to handle our details. You got to be willing to step out. And there got to be times that you say, you know what? I'm going to take the risk. I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus. I believe this is where he's leading me to. And I'm going to step out of the boat. Over, over my life, I've intersected my life with so many people who've got so many coulda, woulda, shoulda stories. You know, I could have done this. I would have done this. I thought about doing this. I thought God was leading me this, but I never kind of got out of the boat on there. And it's just a life of regret. So when you live life in the faith lane, you're willing to take that step and kind of take that step into the great unknown. Number two is this, be comfortable in your own skin. This is where God wants you to live. Be comfortable in your own skin. Remember, as I was reading through the book, there was a statement that I, uh, that I highlighted that jumped out of me, and it was this. When you live your life by comparison, you'll always end up dissatisfied. When you live your life by comparison, you will always end up dissatisfied. You agree with that? You can always find somebody that's more talented than you are, that's better looking than you are, that is more successful than you are, and you can spend the most of your life comparing yourself to other people. When you do that, you just live with dissatisfaction and saying, I'm just not as, as, as fill in the blank as this person, not as much as that one. And so what I would challenge you to do is stop comparing and start appreciating. Stop comparing and start appreciating. And so if you stop comparing and, uh, and be worried about what everyone else is, is doing or what their life is like, and just appreciate who you are, what God's done for you, and appreciate and, and own up to it and say, okay, God, this is what you've done for me. I, and I may have told the story before. I know when I was growing up, I loved sports. I loved athletics. And um, the New York Yankees, uh, they were my favorite team growing up. Mickey Mantle, Bobby Richardson, all those guys. And Bobby Richardson was the second baseman. He was an uh, outspoken Christian. And I would lay in bed at night and say, oh, God, if you'll just make me a, a professional baseball player, uh, I will be Bobby Richardson. I, 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 will, I, will, I will share my faith. I'll be a strong believer. That's what I want to do. But, but the problem is, is, as I was going through high school, I was like about five foot two, weighed 120 pounds or so. And, you know, I just, I I had good hand-eye coordination and uh, I was a terror in the backyard with the kids in the neighborhood. Uh, But that was about it. And, uh, and I always thought, oh man, I would love to have been a basketball player, football player, baseball player, and all those things. And I just live with those regrets of saying, oh Lord, I wish you'd made me this, or if I'd taken those tennis lessons earlier, all that stuff. 
But you know, what's interesting as I got older and I began to understand the gift mix that I had and what God had given me, I came to a point in my life where I just went on my knees and I thanked him. I said, Lord, I like the way you made me. You know, I, I like who I am. And, uh, and I'm going to take the things that you've given me and how you've created me, and I'm going to use that for your glory. You, you just got to feel comfortable in your own skin and understand this is what God's made you. Now, you, you can get better at what you're doing. I'm not saying don't get better. I'm just saying don't sit there and always be comparing with others or, or, and just live this life of dissatisfaction. So uh, number three, number three is the plans that God has for you are always bigger than you are. The plans God has for you are always bigger than you are. I love that. Because what it means is that what you can see, God can see even further. And you may say, I think I can do this. And God says, I've got plans for you that are further. You say, well, why, does his, why are his plans bigger than you are? The reason God's plans are bigger than you are is because he wants to get you to the point where you have to depend on him in order for those plans to work out. Because if I can walk through life and I can accomplish everything just on Danny Wood's power, who gets the honor and glory of that? It all comes to me and say, wow, how great am I? But see, what God does is he has plans that are beyond to where you say, I can't do that. He says, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. When Peter got out of the boat, it's not like Peter says, you know, I've been practicing this all my life. No, he'd never done this before. And the only reason he could even walk on the water is because of the power of God and because Jesus commanded him to do that. And whatever he commands, he gives you, uh, he gives you the, re the ability to do that. So he gives you the authority to do that. And he commanded him to do it. He walked out there and there he was. And, and see, for us, we've got to remember that whatever plans God for has, has for us is bigger than we are so that we can't pull it off easily on our own power, we have to depend on him. And then whenever the thing comes to reality, you look around and you go, Lord, I can see you all over this. And then we give him praise and honor. You know, Hillsong was huge in Australia in the, 19, in the 1990s. But there was always a question of, could they translate that to North America? Could they translate what they were doing over there in North America? And they had a bunch of people that would meet with them, and they said, you know, y'all are doing these worship songs. Uh, in America, we're more into individuals and individual or group singing, not so much like a worship song. And, and they began to try to shape them differently. But Brian Houston and them said, no, we, 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 we think we, we like the product we've got. And in 1995, Integrity Music out of Mobile, Alabama, always the state of Alabama. We're so far ahead of everyone else. Mobile, Alabama. They came up, and they were going to take a flyer on them. And they said, tell you what we'll do. We'll, uh, we'd like, to, uh, we'd like to, to distribute your music. And uh, they said, okay. So what we're going to do is they're going to do a live concert, and we're going to record this live concert, and then that's what we'll make for our record, and we'll distribute it and see how it goes in North America. One week before the concert, they had a highly acclaimed worship leader, and he just left. He just walked off. Didn't give anybody any, any heads up, and he walks off. Now, all of a sudden, Brian Houston and the leadership says, we've got one week. Of, we're supposed to do this huge record. It's going to be our hopeful hit to get to North America. What do we do? Who, do? who leads this over there? And they found a lady named Darlene Check, who was just one of the singers. Nothing special about her. Just was a sweet spirit, humble person, was just one of the singers up there. She'd never led music before in her life. And they went to her and said, 
hey, we'd like for you to lead this. And she goes, no, nah, I don't want to. And then they said, no, we really like to. And she goes, no, nah, I don't really want to. They said, you're going to lead it, okay? Uh, we, uh, if the book said they gently prompted her. <laughs> I've done some gentle prompting before. I know what they're talking about. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, and so, and so they, they got her, and so now she'll, she's got to lead this. They said, okay, let's go with it. And then all of a sudden fear gripped their souls. This is 1995. Women weren't leading in worship. And they said, oh, no, what will happen if a woman leader is leading in worship? How will that translate into North America? Will that turn them off or not? And they said, we got to go with it. So they went with it, and they took a chance, and they stepped out, and they recorded this album. And the name of the album was Shout to the Lord. And the song was, the main song was Darlene's song, and it was Shout to the Lord. And with Shout to the Lord, that is a single that is renowned in Christian circles all around the world. Or uh, someone back there told me it's like the uh, Southern Baptist National Anthem. Uh, You know, shout to the Lord over here. And it all came because they took the risk on there. And it turned out to be a great risk on there. And also what it helped him realize is that the plans of God were even bigger than what they thought on there. All right, number four, learn from your mistakes. Learn from your mistakes. I love this. How do you learn from your mistakes? The easy way, you learn from other people's mistakes. That's the easiest way to learn from mistakes. You learn from other people's mistakes. You talk to them before you do something, find out how they, what mistakes they made, and learn from that. Uh, I've run marathons and half marathons. We had a lot of folks uh, here in our church that ran the Mercedes half, and some ran the full. And I would talk to a number of them, and I'd say, hey, let me just tell you my mistakes that I've made through them, that hopefully it'll help you to be able to do better in the run that you make. You always want to learn from other people's mistakes. That's the easy way. Hard way, learn from your own mistakes. You get out there, you make the mistakes. And uh, it's a hard way to learn because you take your lumps, but you need to learn from it. But then the third is the tragic way, and that is you don't learn from either. <laughs> and that's the person who doesn't learn from other people's mistakes and doesn't learn from their own mistakes, and that is tragic because you're just going to be doomed for more failure. Learn from your mistakes. Number five, it is better to have compassion over sympathy. Now, I've never thought about this before until uh, I saw this in the book. Better to have compassion over sympathy. And here's the difference. Sympathy identifies with the problem, but compassion does something about the problem. Sympathy identifies with the problem, but compassion does something about the problem. We need to be a people that are more than just sympathetic. And it's good to be able to express some care and love for people or some sympathy for some situations that people are in. But it's so much better to have compassion to where you do something about the problem. If you sympathize for the plight of the homeless, or you sympathize with the, with the plight uh, of those who are, who are unemployed, or sympathize with those who are going through different illnesses, that's one thing. But compassion is when you say, well, I'm going to step out and do something about it. And I'm going to take some action steps. Compassion over sympathy. Number six, live transparently and choose counselors wisely. Live transparently and choose counselors wisely. When you're going through a difficult time and discouraging time, don't just hold it in yourself. Be transparent. Let other people know so that you're not having to uh, walk through something by yourself. Have other people with you to help you walk through whatever that situation is. And the only way that can happen is if you're transparent 
and say, hey, I just got to tell you, this is the struggle that I'm having right now. But look what the second part is. You choose your counselors wisely. So the people that you bring into your circle, uh, you need to really choose wisely. Proverbs eleven fourteen says this. It says, where there's no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Now, the key is this word counselors. It didn't say in the abundance of opinions, there is safety. It says in the abundance of counselors. You can get all kind of opinions. But what you want to do is to get counselors, people who love you, who love God, and they want what is best for you with no agenda and no strings attached. Uh, my, what I've discovered in life is there's all kinds of people who love to give you an opinion. But really what I'd like to do is surround those who really love me, care for me, don't have an agenda, no strings attached, got a love for God, and say, this is what we think. This is what I think your next step needs to be. Now, our problem is, is, sadly, we go to give advice to people whose lives are in shambles. And I have scratched my head many times when people who are going through financial difficulties would go talk to other people who had been bankrupt about three or four times, who didn't know what the word saving meant, and uh, who thought that credit card was inspired from God. And so uh, I'm sitting there saying, that's not really the person you need to talk to. Or the people that are going through marriage difficulties talking to one who's had about three or four failed relationships along the way. Look for people who have successfully navigated some waters, and those are the people you want to go to choose your counselors wisely. Number seven is this, love authentically. Love authentically. And what we mean by love authentically is that when times get hard, we need to lean on those people that we are closest to, but there are times when it seems like we lash out at those that we are closest to. This is where the love authentically, when times start getting tough, those that I care for the most and that care for me the most, I need to lean into that relationship and not lash out at them. And that seems to happen. And so what you want to keep in mind is this statement. Don't let anything deter you from loving God and loving people. Don't let anything deter you from loving God and loving people. When difficult times come, I still need to keep my focus on what Jesus said was the two greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Don't want to be deterred from loving God or loving others. Love authentically, okay? And the last is to lead courageously. To lead courageously. As you're leading courageously, you need to realize something. Realize that you can't change the past, thus you embrace the present and with an eye toward the future. So you kind of cover all of this. Realize you can't change the past, thus you embrace the present with an eye toward the future. Break that down for just a moment. You can't change the past. Don't live in the past. Don't let the bad decisions that you've made or uh, whatever mistakes you made, learn from them. Don't let them haunt you. Don't let those things drag you down. So sad to talk to people who can't get beyond the past to keep on moving. But then it says to embrace the present. Embrace the present. We can, we can err of one of two ways, folks. We can sometimes get so caught up with what happened in the past that we can't even enjoy the present. And sometimes we're so looking forward to the future that we don't embrace the present. You know, hey, it's like someone that would go to college and after they finish their first year, they're already talking, about, oh, can't wait till I graduate. And I just some adjunct teaching over there at Sanford one time. And I had some students tell me that. And I said, put the brakes on it. I said, this could be some of the four of the greatest years or five for some of you, probably six uh, years of your life uh, over here. I said, embrace this. Don't miss out on this. 
Don't just rush through life and keep looking to the very next thing, the next thing, the next thing, because you're going to miss out on the present right here. Embrace the present. Take advantage of those things. Look for people that you can help and you can pour your life into. Embrace the present. But as you embrace the present, have an eye to the future. Already be looking to the future. And you have an eye to it of saying, this is what I want to see done, but that's not going to keep me from embracing the present right here. So you can't change the past, embrace the present, and eye towards the future, okay? One of my favorite quotes was about Irma Bronbeck, who said, seize the moment, remember all those women on the Titanic who waved off the dessert cart. Okay, so, uh, <clears throat> so seize the moment, okay? All right. Last of all, that's a good one. Isn't it? All right, last of all, stay focused on forward motion. Stay focused on forward motion. You always want to be moving forward. Always want to be moving forward. There is a, uh, uh, there's a passage of Scripture found in Philippians chapter 3, verse 14. And the Apostle Paul says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I love the word, I press on. Uh, it's a word I think is used about twice in Scripture. The Greek word is dioko. And uh, years ago, did a, we had a youth retreat at a church I was pastoring in Ruston, and that was our theme, Dioko. And we'd always run around and go, Dioko, Dioko, but to do exactly what you were talking about. Because what Dioko means is you got to press on. And that means with the intensity of an athlete running through the tape, you are to have that intensity of pressing on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call. And that means that my goal is to have Christ-likeness. My goal is to live a life to where I am exemplifying everything that Christ has called me to do. I want to be like Christ. And I press on. I am focused on forward motion, always moving forward. And so as you're going through life and you're trying to figure out, do I do lazy river or do I do moving forward. Think of press on, dioko, okay? Even if you just wrote that word down, dioko, you would impress your people, so, your people around you saying, hey, I know a Greek word, dioko. Uh, and, it, and, it, and it's just got such a strong, intensive meaning of, man, I just want to keep on going. I want to cross that finish line. I want to have my head up, riveted towards the goal, looking at Christ to say, this is my life. This is what I intend to do, and this is who I intend to follow. And so when we do that, then we're going to be able to have a life that we, we live this. It's an authentic life, and, uh, and it's a life that, that's going to bring honor and glory to God. We're going to have a love for God and a love for others. And then when we lead, we lead courageously, victoriously, taking a step of faith, being willing to risk, always looking for where is the God, God is wanting me to go. And whenever I see that, then I press on, I push forward, and I push forward to that particular goal. Now, we can wrap that together, and I think it could make for a pretty strong and exciting life, and at least it'll get you through the month of February, okay, <laughs> and get you going. We're going to be back in March, and we look forward to seeing you there. We hope all of you have a good Valentine's Day. Thank you very much for being here. Thank you.